This is Amalia Eon Karras. Hey everyone, it's Satya, and you're listening to Love, Love Sex, Sex, and, and the Hidden, Hidden Agenda. Agenda. Welcome back to our show. This is Satya, and I'm here with Amalia. Hey, Amalia. Hello. <laughs> so the other day uh, when we were speaking about, we were speaking offline, and we were talking about sexual imprints, I was so, I just love that subject. Um, so mm. I think that's a good place to start today. Okay. What, <laughs> what should we jump in about the sexual imprints? Maybe what they are and... Yeah, that sounds good. There's so many places we can go with it. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So when we when I say the word sexual imprint, what I'm referring to is like that first experience of orgasm that we have in our lifetime and how whatever that was, like whatever way that you had that first experience of your first orgasm that's what kind of hooks us up to the future orgasms and the future desire for orgasm. And I think it gets overlooked a lot in our adult life or people don't really often sit and reflect about their very first sexual experience and how, what a strong impact it has for the rest of our sexual relations moving forward. Right. So. I mean, well, on the simplest thing, I mean, let's say that somebody's first sexual experience wasn't good, or let's say it was abusive, or let's say rape, um, they may attract somebody when they're older um, that may lack empathy, or may be a sociopath, or they might Get with somebody who turns out to be abusive in that way without even realizing it but anyway oh, exactly that's exactly what happens so like you know so many children are abused like the numbers are staggering i don't have the statistics but i can speak from my own practice and working with people in my own experience of of my childhood and the people i know and the kids i grew up with like all the children that i was best friends with growing up, we were all being sexually abused in some way, like some sort of molestation going on, if not full-blown, you know, sexual, sexualization of some level, like some more extreme than others. Mm -hmm. And um, when I've worked with my clients and do, I do regressions and things like that, and I've taken people back and time and time and time again, and it was staggering to me how many of us have had these childhood uh, experiences of uh, some sort of molestation or rape. And what happens is that, um, you know, as I see the system, 
systems. You know, I'm looking at the energetic system and grid of a, of a body when I'm working on it. So I'm seeing where all of the nadis, the, the light uh, pathways in the body are either twisted up or contorted or they get kinked up and also how it um, affects our, our chakras, our energy centers um, moving up through the spine and how our primal life force gets either blocked or where the kinks come in. And when I say kinks, like it's literally like a hose pipe that gets kinked. And then from those kinks, we, we get into kink, right? Like mm-hmm. the sexual kink. Um, and I've been watching this time and time and time again, how people who have a lot of kinks in their sexual history and in their energetic system, um, mm-hmm find the path of kink or BDSM to um, help them kind of heal or even just to fill that um, void or craving or, or that desire that they have kind mm-hmm. of trapped inside of them. Yeah. And sometimes it is, it can be healing, um, I suppose, to experience it in that way, or it can be re-traumatizing. It's both. I think that people who have a lot of uh, kinks in their system and end up getting into kink, I think they find it deeply um, satisfying in the sense that normal sex or kind of um, consensual love relationships don't really do it for them because they're wired differently like the mm-hmm. way that they've been hooked up to their life force has been through uh, a kind of dis- distortion or a very strong event that occurred mm-hmm. um and so then we see these perversions you know like if i, I lived in japan uh, for a number of years and mm-hmm. i was really um quite surprised at how perverse the culture is and how accepting of the perversion that the culture is. And I think I've mentioned it before on an earlier podcast, but Mm -hmm. one of the things that you notice the second you land in Japan is the schoolgirls, right? So there's this massive schoolgirl fetish because they wear uniforms to school and the high school girls, they will hike their skirts up. So they're barely covering their backside, you know, it's just so short. Mm. And in the subways, you know, you're constantly walking up very steep steps. And so obviously, if there's a schoolgirl in front of you with her skirt that short, you can see her panties, right? And it's, oh, goodness. it's just, um, it, it's prevalent everywhere. And they wear these really long knee high socks. So it's like these stockings, like hypersexualized high school girls. And I was asking some of my Japanese friends because I personally felt weird because I couldn't stop staring at, at how, you know, it was like, what, why am I looking, you know, here they are walking up in front of me and I can't help but notice that I can see her panties and like, it's somewhat of a, a turn on. And I was getting all tripped out about it. Like what's happening to me. And I remember calling my partner at the time. And I'm like, I think I'm going to vomit or I, I'm feeling so strange because <laughs> these girls, mm. they're like, 
what are they provoking or what is this, what is going on? Um, and, and then I just started kind of researching it, like what is happening here? And then I found out, you know, through some Japanese friends that it's very common that these girls, um, they kind of do that and um, they get money from older men um, to do like sexual favors for them so that they can purchase like Louis Vuitton handbags and super expensive fashion because they can't, because there's no fashion mm -hmm. at school, it's like they're, hmm. they're needing um, to fill this other uh, self-expression thing. And then they're oh, using gosh. their sexuality in this way. And I this isn't the average School no, student. but it's really, it's really, um, it's not the average. It's, it's, you know, a percentage of the girls are doing this, not all of them, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, it's so prevalent that you, you will see it as a tourist in Japan. You mm -hmm. will definitely see it. Like one time I was in the train and there was a girl dressed like that, sitting on the floor of her train with her legs open, like eating a lollipop. Oh, for God's sakes. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on? She looks like a sex doll or something, but she's childish. You know, she's like in this right. weird behavior, you know, because in Japan, what's, what's sexy is little girl, like the little girl look. Even older women are trying to look like little girls. It's really mm -hmm. strange. And I was like, what is this obsession with the whole school girl thing. And you'll see it like um, in the magazines and everywhere, you just see this hypersexualized school girl. And you know, you see it in the sex culture here, like people on Halloween, they dress up like the sexy mm -hmm. school girl or they're- But um, this is, I mean, that whole thing though is so dangerous because I think people in the US are now trying this. Um, you know, there's girls that are, trying to do this kind of thing i i think it's much more of a of a thing maybe in japan where maybe it could be safer i don't know if there is such a word as safe uh with that kind of thing but there's there's girls who are looking for that here and then you know and they'll attract these you know very unhealthy people who then uh, you know, pretend that they're going to take care of them, and they do at first, and then the next thing you know, they've manipulated them somehow into some kind of sex trafficking, or uh, you know, it's a slippery slope, right? They start, um, you know, it's soul sucking. I mean, it is completely like literally sucking the soul out of the shell. You know, I I was able to meet people who've done it. Like I, I got so interested in this phenomena because it, it's so prevalent. Like I would see it every single day, multiple times a day. It's not like a rare thing. It's a very um, prevalent, glaring mm -hmm. in your face issue that you see walking mm -hmm. around Tokyo. Um, and especially Tokyo, like the, the smaller um, towns around Japan, you don't see it as much, or it's more shocking to see it in those places. But in Tokyo, it's like every day, all day long, you're going to see it. And, um, you know, there's also love hotels everywhere where you can just, you know, take them for the hour. And so I was asking a, a Japanese girl who did that in high school, um, 
why she did it and, you know, what was it about? And she told me she was doing it with her dad's friends. And I was like, did your dad know? You, you know, it was <laughs> very mm-hmm. disturbing for me to hear that. And I was like, so did your father know you were doing this? And she said, well, they never talked about it, but it was kind of obvious because she would come home with all these fancy handbags and she really wanted high fashion, you know, thousand mm-hmm. dollar handbags and shoes that she could never buy and that her dad was never going to buy. And so it was like, he just turned a blind eye to it. Did you happen, I'm sorry, did, did you happen to um, know what her sexual imprint was by any chance? I mean, because what's the chance of somebody doing that? You know, well, that's what I was like, what's your relationship like with your father? And what I found was that she needed her dad's attention and her dad was absent and silent and didn't really speak to her and kind of ignored her. And what I found was that, um, you know, and this is my opinion, (laughs) completely my opinion of analyzing her situation. But I felt that her father is one of these men who does that. And because he didn't want to do it with his own daughter, he just ignored her. So Mm. she started doing it with his friend. That would Um, make sense. Yeah, because it's just sort of like a normalized thing that happens and that they're all sort of seeking daddy's approval. Um, Right. And I... I met her when she was in her mid twenties. So that had happened to her when, you know, she was in her teens. Like she was doing that when she was like 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, yeah. Now I mean, she's being ignored. <laughs> oh, well that, that also makes sense, but like not saying, you know, but, but being ignored or, um, or dismissed or um, not given any attention. Like, yeah, that's a recipe for just seeking attention at any cost. And, you know, any manipulative man who's going to take advantage of someone who is coming of age and may not even be thinking sexually toward him. But what happens when he starts paying attention to her? Oh, you're you're so special. Oh, I see that you're interested in this. Oh, you're interested in uh you know, what do you want to do? You want to be a makeup artist? Oh, here, I'm going to make you some business cards. Or here's, here's a bunch of, you know, here's a makeup caboodle. Or here's some, you know, or just anything, people start paying attention, and then they're going to be starving of attention. And then slowly one thing leads to another. And then the next thing you know, and I mean, and then if we want to add on top of that, the possibility that her dad was ignoring her because he was so dysregulated that he was off doing God knows what, then that unconscious energy that seeps into the entire energy field of the family. And so then she would be even, you know, more risk of acting out that way. Yeah. And she told me that she found out one of her friends was doing that with her dad. And I think that really disturbed her. But what, what I find, it, you know, because then her friend was getting more attention from her father than she was. And I think that that really uh, oh. kind of tripped her out. And then, um, and then wait, her, her friend, wait, her friend was having sex with her father. With, 
I don't think oh they had sex, but I think they would give them oral pleasure and just like in Japan, it's like um, it's really weird kink. It's like not full blown sex. I mean, I guess it could be, but when when they're getting into sex, what I find is then they're in a relationship. Like that's when it's your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more like tricks. Wow. Interesting. So what I also noticed was that the Japanese don't have the same consciousness um, around shame that we have here in the West. And I think it's because, at least the girls that I was asking about, I I think it's because they don't have the Christian um, religion basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, cause I would say like, wow, you were that young and you didn't have any shame or like you could just do that. And, and that was acceptable and your family didn't care. And they just turned a blind eye and they knew, you know, I was asking all those kind of questions. And right. then I realized like they don't have the church, at least the girls I was speaking to didn't have the dogma of church. You know, they were Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And, and more from the like Shinto tradition. So, so there's no um, kind of shame around huh. sexual perversions like that. It just kind of was what it was. And people just accepted it as something that happens. And, and so it's more that, out in the open. Super out in the open. I mean, out in the open, and at least, and they're getting something for it, and they feel some kind of power. Whereas in the United States, it's a big, huge secret, and it's super just shame. loaded with shame. And then the person just feels somehow tainted, and then gets into relationships with low self worth, and and then it's just a big snowball, and they're well, not getting yeah. anything. And here it's called um, sex work. In Japan, that's not considered sex work it's just what you're doing I mean they're Mm, getting they're getting gifts from older men who who need a thrill Mm -hmm. I mean there's vending machines in Japan selling underwear of high school girls and it's it's in the it's in the train station it's not like hidden in a sex club right right I think you mentioned that on on the last episode maybe maybe I don't know I know we were I know we were on this track, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so disturbing on, oh my gosh, I just don't even know what to, what to think Um, or feel about it because. Yeah. And it's disturbing for us because of the way we were raised around it. It's not disturbing for them. Hmm. Well, and here the whole, you know, people being prostituted and, and all these girls going missing, um, and the sex trafficking and and they end up being horribly abused and uh, it just makes me wonder you know dare i say you know is are they better off in japan is that better i mean it is but but even though why is that happening in the first place you know outside of the whole parasite thing which we've talked about in earlier episodes but again this shakti energy well, that's kind of, you know, the point of why I wanted to bring these conversations to the public because 
having lived in multiple cultures that are really extreme and very different in the way that they relate to sexuality, um, and then going through my own healing around my sexuality, healing my shame, and going through all the different relationship experiences that I've had, um, I'm personally trying to figure out like, what is, I'm confused, right? Like, where am I go? Where is it all going? And there's this deep desire that I have inside of me to experience a really healthy, loving um, relationship that's without all the distortions and kinks and um, toxicity that I feel that all of us carry inside of us. And I keep imagining like, what would it be like if we didn't have these distortions and I kept pulling on the strings, you know, when I do shamanic extractions off people or help them clear their energy systems and, and kind of heal these kinks in their system, I'm pulling on the, the energetic cords that connect them to these stories and past experiences. And I keep mm -hmm. pulling and pulling and pulling. And then I start getting to that parasite again. Like, oh my God, this is extraterrestrial. Oh my God, this is an agenda to enslave us. Oh my God, this dark entity is trying to control all our life force and keep us separated from our true power. And since our true power, it, our second chakra and our sacral energy and that creative creatrix life force that we carry is is where these codes of our being gods and goddesses is stored so if we had full control over that we would be living a completely different life lifestyle we would have different types of relationships i'm curious what that looks like and i'm so dedicated to wanting that experience for myself that I'm not settling for anything that's that can't work towards that goal you know right absolutely absolutely and even just something like you know having so much uh secret um around like if like in my family, there was molestation, not for my father, but there was molestation that occurred and it was a secret. And mm -hmm. I think to some degree as a, as a grown up, um, it, I think that there's a certain amount of comfort that I have with secrets or with something secretive or having a secret. And I wonder if, you know, people, That's a big one. yeah, and, and I think you think about the, the amount of people that this happens to, I mean, it's just staggering, right? I mean, it's so, so, so many people have had something like that, some kind of secret. And then, you know, and then we wonder why, you know, so many people are, let's say, having affairs or having, you know, I mean, what is. I mean, some of that is, you know, a need to feel alive and there's that whole thing. And that's a whole other podcast. But, but what about the part where, what about the, the people who are serial, let's say cheaters, right? Serial where they, um, they, they don't just have an affair or so, but it's just has to constantly be going. And again, I don't know if that's just a United States thing because here it's not acceptable 
but yet what 60% of, or, or more Wait, it's way more. I'm going to have to look that up, but it's way more. Um, people have had affairs in their marriages mm -hmm. and it's probably well, about the no, same I mean, amount of people who've had secrets growing up. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, coming back to the sexual imprint, the, the secret. So if, if you were raised in a household that had a lot of secrets, especially around sexuality, then you're going to be wired for that kind of um, turn on. Like you, you might need a secret in order to be turned on. Mm, right. That's a that's an imprint wiring. Or if you were a little girl and being molested by your father, then you're going to have this daddy fetish. You're gonna mm -hmm. want. And, and so many people have it. I mean, Jesus, it's completely normalized now to say he's mm -hmm. my sugar daddy or calling your, your um, husband your old man and, mm -hmm. you know, the whole play out that happens in the bedroom around being daddy. Right. Yeah, that's a complete imprint. People mm -hmm. don't just come up with that if they haven't had an excitement for it early on like right. someone who's never had that turn so so that first orgasm that first orgasm is what's wiring that desire or those very informative orgasms like so. right right i'm thinking we're out of time for this episode. Well, I want to add one last thing for those who are mm -hmm. listening and are curious about what their sexual imprint might be. Um, think about what it is that you fantasize about when you're masturbating or alone. <laughs> the things that you hope no one else knows that you're doing. And, and so that's for women for, and, and men. But I think for guys, it's like what kind of porn you're attracted to. Because um, I think men tend to be more porn watchers it's not totally true but like there's a lot that you're gonna see your imprints coming up in those hidden fantasies that you probably don't speak about or or maybe you've been exploring them um and if you can take some time to bring that into a meditation with a lot of love and and care and sit with them and see if you know what's there to be healed what's there to be restored um because that's where the parasite got hooked and that's mm. what we're wanting to sort of un unhook and restore love at that original wound point exactly. and if you want help with that you can reach out to me you can reach out to satya you know find us on our webpage Find us on social media, lovesexagenda.com, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. I hope it was informative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. We'll see you soon. All right. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. If you'd like to contact us and stay in touch with us, you can find us at 
lovesexagenda.com. That's lovesexagenda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, Love Sex and the Hidden Agenda. Oh, uh-huh.